0: Today's message is entitled, Learning, Reason, Experience, and Revelation. From the Old Testament, Dr. Hunter refers to Genesis, chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the cattle, and to the birds of the sky, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. Now from the New Testament, Dr. Hunter will use chapter 7 verses 17 and 18 from John. Jesus therefore answered the man and said, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If any man is willing to do his will, he shall know of the teaching whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. But he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true, and there is no unrighteousness in him. And now, let's join Dr. Hunter for his message, Learning, Reason, Experience, and Revelation. Time again, talk radio at its best from the Perfection and Broadcasting Network. With street knowledge paid for with his own blood, guts, and determination. And wisdom bought and paid for by scholarships and grants from your tax dollars. It's Dr. Clive Jim Rushbaugh. Ph.D., MFA, MAPA, live. Taking your calls and changing your lives. And now, Clive.
1: Hey, my humble listeners across the Amber Waves, welcome to another enlightening hour with yours truly, Clive. Today I'm pondering... Nothing, because I know it all. Uh, That's right, my fellow fellows, you kinder and gentle little ladies, I do know it all, and now is your chance to partake in the vast encyclopedia that is my mind. The lines are open, and I'm here to serve you every whim. Yes, caller, welcome. And what is your name?
2: Well, hey, Clive, my name is Joe, and I'm a
1: first-time caller. Whoa, whoa, all right. First-time caller. Welcome. Well, it's about time. What's on your small mind today, Joe? Well, I'm thinking about asking a girl
2: to marry me. Well, do you know any girls, Joe? (laughs) Oh, Clive, man, you are too funny. Yeah, I know. Well, so I'm just wondering if it's the right thing to do. I mean, I'm really in love with her. I've known her for eight years. We've got five kids, and she's going to inherit $2 million when she's 35. Well, oh, how old is she now? 34. I'd say marry
1: her today, my friend. <clears throat>
2: Thank you, Clive. You always shed such light on these confusing situations. Thanks so much. All
1: right, kid, and let me know if she's got a sister so I can kick my live-in out too sweet, okay? Our next caller, please.
2: Yeah, Mike, uh, this is uh, Michelle. Mike. This is Michelle from Orlando, and I'm wondering if my quadra will allow me to edit A and B roll beta SP.
1: Oh, sure, but you're going to need at least a gigabyte of unfragmented hard drive, okay?
2: Uh, duh. Of course. You're the best.
1: I know. Next caller. Yeah, Clive. Thanks for the tip uh, in the stock market. I'm a millionaire twice over. Appreciate it, man. All right. One time. One time for one more lucky caller before the break. Here we go. Uh, hey, Clive. This is Dick. By the way, you were right on about the American export problem. Ah, oh, man after my own heart. What can I do for you this morning? Well,
3: Clive, I was thinking about what Christ says in John 21:18. Okay. Good
1: yeah? day. Thank you very much. Stupid, religious, freaky, narrow-minded, conservative, uh, right winger. I'm sorry about that, folks. I can't control all these weirdos. Okay. We'll be right back after the break.
2: If you're stupid or just plain dumb, if you didn't make it through college, no need to sweat or feel glum. Come to the Supermarket of Knowledge.
1: Knowledge Tree, Knowledge Supermarket, your one-stop information and learning mega store. Come on, buy our lunch counter and order one of our new smart drinks from our bookstore. Check out the 50% savings on all books having to do with the importance of double-mindedness. That's right. This week on special, ancient literature with lots of SAT words and intellectual vocabulary. Only 19.95 for graduates or 29.99 for dropouts. Bring your brain and park it at the Knowledge Supermarket. Uh-huh. Okay, we're back. And we have a caller from Maitland. Joni, what can I do to enlighten you today?
2: Uh. Oh, sorry about that. Um, I'm confused about why we're helping one particular starving country when there are hundreds of other starving and war-torn people all over the world.
1: Hey, hey, it's just not as simple as that. There are political ramifications to be thought out as well as the safety of our own people in the situation.
2: Oh, I see. Well, thank you, Clive. That's really been bothering me. Hey,
1: global policing, charity, and emergency operations, they're complicated and delicate matters much more intricate than you could possibly comprehend. Glad I could help, sweetheart. We have another caller, please. Uh, Hey, Clive, it's Dick again. I just thought you'd be interested in Christ's vision of peace. Hey, 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 that's not a question. That's a twisted religious wrong perspective. Keep these weirdos off the line, will you? I'm trying to have an intelligent show with some global perspective here. Man, it makes me mad. Uh, they're so sneaky and, you know, divisive. Uh, okay, uh, we got time for one more caller. Hey,
2: Clive, this is Bob. Hey, Bob, what is it? Well, Clive, you know a
1: lot. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, you're up on the latest news, politicians' mm-hmm. issues. I mean, you often have guests speaking on self-help topics.
1: That's right, Bob. You know my motto, if you need self-help, get it yourself.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, right, right. So I wondered, how come a guy like you, so intelligent and on top of things, sounds so, well, angry all the time? Angry? What do you mean? Well, come on, Clive. I mean, you've got an answer to everything, but you just don't sound happy. Well,
1: excuse me for not being as bright and chipper enough for you, Bob. Well, never
2: mind. I just wondered, I mean, if your knowledge made you feel any any better. I guess I'm just searching for some purpose to life, and I thought
1: maybe you had, well, I don't know, peace. I mean, do you have peace? Peace? Do I have Peace? What kind of stupid question is that? Are you a friend of that wacko before, Dick? Uh, peace? How can anyone have peace when they know as much as I do? Well, I'm afraid, my friend, that about wraps up the show for today. Join me again sometime tomorrow when my special guest is Joe Popiel. He'll be explaining the new Pocket Popiel Speed Reader, a great gift to help your youngsters learn more, more quickly. I'm Clive Jim Rushball saying good night and Dr. good luck.
0: Clive, the Guru of Gab. The chancellor of chat, the titan of talk, tomorrow, when he'll again answer the mysteries of the universe for you, the unwashed masses. Until then, get a life. The ideas expressed in this program are those of Dr. Clive and not necessarily those of the Lord God of Israel.
3: Well, now, what in the world did that have to do with God? God. That's what we're here to answer. That's what all of us are here to answer. Because Christianity is not just a matter of being religious in church. Christianity is a matter of comprehending how God works both inside and outside the realm of his chosen and His particular people. What we tend to link with learning... You know, we're going over the five areas into which God deposits Himself and purpose. And one of those areas is learning. And what we tend to link with learning was just demonstrated in that little skit. That is an accumulation of knowledge that breeds arrogance... But it also breeds fragmentation and frustration. It breeds anger. And it breeds, as if you listen to, to talk shows, they are, uh, highly confrontative. That's how they make their money. Is being controversial and, and the clashing of opinions and so on and so forth. Really, only one opinion is expressed. Only one venue of opinion is expressed. That's why they, they, uh, they have the shows that they do. But please know that our starting place of learning in the world goes like this. The more knowledge I can accumulate and the more of a Uniform world perspective that I can put together within myself, the more I will have it all together. But it's proved just the opposite by people who look for purpose in what they know. Turn uh, in your scriptures, if you have them, to the Gospel of John. While you're turning, let me go over once again what the mission of Northland Community Church is and what our theology is. The mission of Northland Community Church is to bring believers to maturity in Christ. Where that has application to the area of learning is this. We have a Reformed perspective. That is, that we don't agree that there is a division in the world between secular and, sec- uh, secular and sacred and God only operates in the sacred. We believe that God operates in all the world, that God never lost control of the secular even though it is unbelieving, even though it is uh, destroying itself, even though it is creaming people with wickedness. We believe that God is still in that realm operating to bring about his plan now that seems uh, uh, contradictive that God could operate in such a, um, uh, a destructive arena but yet it is the whole idea of revelation that will point us to the understanding that God is still in control God is still in control of the areas of the world and the areas of your life that have not particularly been brought under His named dominion yet. And it should give you a wonderful sense of peace that God is operating throughout that whole arena instead of just having His hands tied into what we don't understand that is connected with God. If we succeed in this church, we will have a whole group of people that can see God's operation no matter where they look. They will be able to see it in the Christian realm, but they will also be able to see it in the non-Christian realm. Now, read with me, please. A passage. First of all, uh, you remember the passage that we're that we're coming from here, and that is the passage uh, in Second. Uh, I'm sorry, in Genesis chapter two. I will just read it very quickly for you. All of these messages come out of uh, the Eden. Uh, Um, story there came a time in Eden when God initiated learning Um, it says in chapter 18 um, then the Lord God said it is not good for the man to be alone I will make a helper make him a helper suitable for him now he didn't do it right away he went through a process of learning for man out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. In other words, the first scientific experiment of the categorization of the world, of the looking at the nature of how the world was created, was brought about by God. He's the one that initiated it. God brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Now follow along uh, with, with uh, what I'm telling you here. It says, And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the sky, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. And so, in other words, the first scientific experiment is performing two um, um, tasks. One is that it is categorizing the world and it is taking in knowledge from the world. The process of naming in the Bible is a process of citing and discerning the nature of a thing. And so therefore, being able to identify it. There is also, the second task, is to see how that thing relates to you. So that you know that it's not just you isolated in a world, but the world does relate to you. That's when the God, Adam found that there was not found a helper suitable for him. He'd gone through all of the animals. He'd found their relation to each other, found their relation to himself, and he knew it still wasn't what he needed in this particular capacity. So therefore, there are two realms here. One is the rational characterization of the world, reason. And the other is how it relates to you, experience. All right? Now, if you go along, after the fall, there is a decided Fragmentation of those two avenues of learning. Um, Let me me go a little bit with this before I get to Joan. Um, You can trace it through the history of the world, through the history of practically every philosophy and every science. As a matter of fact, if you go back into the classical period when when, uh, men were thought to be the wisest, you will see this same fragmentation. The philosophers in 400 B.C., for example, or 200 B.C. even, uh, uh, Plato and Aristotle, some of the wisest men that ever lived, the philosophers that, that were great theorists, Archimedes and uh, Euclid and uh, um, a man by the name of Huron of, of Alexandria, they, they called him Hero, um, were brilliant people, but they were deductive, logical theoreticians. They observed the world and they deduced how the world operated and many of them put that operation in mathematical formulas. At the same time, there lived people who were not literate but who lived life on a very practical basis. These were the what we would call the practical engineers of the day. They were the artisans and the craftsmen. Because of this great gap, because of this Fragmentation and separation. The wonderful applications that could have come from these theoreticians never happened for years and years, because the theoreticians in their mind said, "It's not my job to seek out what is what is the practical implication of this for all of mankind. It's just my job to discover knowledge." Because these people were illiterate and could not read the the uh, um, the theories the formulas of the philosophers it took sometimes hundreds sometimes thousands of years to put into practical application for us all what they had reasoned out for example you will rem- remember archimedes is one of the great uh, theoreticians of fulcrums and pulleys and you know the, the the wheel and the screw and how to lift heavy weights with very little effort the fact is, Archimedes didn't do much in the way of practical application. And, and because he had it all figured out and nobody could read his theories, it was a couple hundred years before they could really bring about in a practical application what he had discovered. The same thing with Hero. He discovered the application of power by steam. Now, he did do a few little things, just privately, just playing around. He made the first power by steam, believe it or not, came through toys. He made little toys that were steam-operated. One of those little toys had a a turbine in it. The the turbine, for practical use, though, was not really harnessed for another thousand years. You know, we could have invented the steam engine a thousand years before before it happened. But it wasn't invented because of the separation of this fragmentation. Could I say to you that the same thing has happened in Christianity? There are people over here who study Christianity again and again and again and come up with all of the theories and, and and deduce how God's made the world, but they haven't got a clue how to live it out in regular life. And most of the people who are Christians who have their lives full of kids and you know peanut butter stuck to the wall and and you know running car taxi service here and there and all of that kind of stuff really have a struggle with how God is arranging their life because they have not educated themselves in the Bible. They are illiterate. The answers that we need, the mentality we need is in the revealed Word of God. But these people out of, for many reasons, feel like they can't understand the Bible. So they don't read it and the gap is still not bridged now let me tell you the wonderful part of revelation revelation is the dynamic by which god relates watch be careful here doesn't combine but relates all of the avenues of life and it is that process by which every once in a while he gives you a glimpse at what he's doing with your life that is far beyond your control, far wider than anything you've had to do with. And it gives you confidence that God is still Lord of the universe. When most Christians think about revelation, they think in terms of natural theology. They think in terms of, if I could just figure out this world enough, you know, because God has made himself evident in general revelation. Is in the way the world's made up. You know, Psalm 19, the heavens speak of your glory day to day, speech pours forth. And there are people who go out into creation and say, Man, there is a God. There is a God. But there is a faulty kind of theology that grows from that general revelation called natural theology. Say, Thomas Aquinas was a was a builder of this kind of theology. He thought that if we just studied the world long enough and knew enough about it, we would end up with an accurate theology of who God was. Turn to the first chapter of 1 Corinthians. Let me show you something. I'll get back to that John 7 chapter in a minute. Look at verse 21, what it says. Since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believed. There is no way that you can arrive with your own mentality at a knowledge of who God is. Only God can give you that. It's a gift that He gives you. And only can it come by faith, not by enough reasoning power. Some people believe that if they understand themselves well enough, they'll understand who God is. And so they spend years looking into how they're made up. And there is a part of general revelation that was given and deposited within us. We know in our heart there's a God. We know before we're ever taught about God that there's a right and a wrong. We have a sense, an innate intuition, that there is somebody out there who is our master. It says that in Romans chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. It says, look, God made it evident within them, within them, so that they are without excuse. But again, it's not in reasoning from the world that we can ever come to understand the world because it is not a matter of just putting things together the right way it's bigger than that i love to read sherlock holmes stories anybody like mystery stories i love mystery stories and i have read every sherlock holmes stories that ever, that was ever written this guy absolutely fascinates me i mean you know watson can come in and, and into the office and sherlock holmes looks at him and says well watson i see you got up about 623 this morning and i see that uh uh you were in a hurry to get to the office and you had something on your mind and you tripped once on the way here and and, and Watson would go,
0: oh,
3: oh how did you know that? You know? And then he goes into this brilliant thing. He says, Well, I see there's a small patch of whiskers that you missed on your on your um, uh cheek there and I know that facing Uh, the direction that you do to look in your mirror, the sun comes in at about 623 at this particular angle, and so therefore that's why that that place was shaded, and that's how you missed that. And I see a scuff on your shoe that wasn't there yesterday that looks like you tripped over the thing. And, you know, he comes out, you know, and you go, holy cow, if I'd only been able to reason like that, I'd have been able to know all that, because it was all there, it was all in the story. That's the attitude we have of revelation. We keep thinking, God, if I can only get enough reasoning power. I'll be able to figure out the world. I'll be able to know how you're operating. I'll be able to see things that I haven't seen before and therefore I will be the great investigator and I'll know your mind. That's going from the bottom up again and it doesn't work. Let me tell you why it doesn't work. Because God keeps control. And God is the dispenser of the knowledge of how he makes this work. And he has set up the process, and the process is this. If you saturate your mind with my word as well as with my world, I will then illuminate your mind and inspire you to do my will. That's how it works. Now look in John chapter 7. You will see that education alone doesn't cut it. The Jews had a great respect for education. So do we. So should we. Education is a wonderful thing. Education gives us a hint of the natural revelation of God, how the Creator made the world. True education came from religious people because religious people were curious as to how God had made the world. So it's not something that's separate from Christianity at all. It is brought by God just like it said in the Garden of Eden and br- he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. See? True education comes from God. It's, 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 it's spiritually motivated. But having to be educated according to certain schools is not necessary at all. Because what's necessary to see how the world operates comes from God. As many crimes as Sherlock Holmes could solve, he could never stop crime. He could only think of solutions to particular problems. Never stop crime. That's, okay, now look at this, it says so. Look at verse 15. The Jews are starting to get disturbed about this Jesus teaching because Jesus makes sense in whatever he says. But they can't figure out why because he's never been to school. They know him. And, he, and they said, The Jews therefore marveled, saying, How has this man become learned, having never been educated? Jesus said, "Jesus therefore answered them and said, My teaching is not mine, but him who sent me. That's the definition of Revelation. My teaching is not mine, but him who sent me. If any man is willing to do his will, there's the reason linked with experience. If any man is willing to do his will, he shall know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. Now, let me tell you something right up front. And then I'm, I'm going to quit. This is a summary message again. This is a time release deal. Here's, here's the bad news. The bad news is that those of you who link Christian maturity... With not only understanding how the world operates, but also with finally getting your skit together so that you are not surprised anymore and you finally can put everything into one pigeonhole or run through at one, you know, everything through one particular screen so that everything makes sense. In other words, you link Christian maturity with a uniformity in the world and finally everything makes sense to you. Let me just tell you this. You're in deep doo-doo. Because revelation is not an increase in your knowledge or your understanding. Revelation is an increase in how we see God operating in all the world. And revelation is a change of our mind, not to accumulate more knowledge, but to behold what God is doing, it does put knowledge and experience together. And things do make sense, even though they may never come together. But when God reveals things to you, He reveals them on the big scale. It doesn't remove the little surprises that life holds or the little troubles that life has. One of the finest Christian uh, scientists, neuroscientists that ever lived was a man named Donald McKay. Donald McKay took Einstein's theory of relativity and Planck and Bohr's uh, investigation into quantum uh, physics. And he made a significant, what I feel is a significant discovery. You remember that Einstein's theory of relativity says basically everything operates in coordination. Everything has a certain time, you have a constant, and everything operates according to that constant. So that the that the orbit of the planets makes all kinds of sense. Everything's predictable, in other words. However, when you look at the world in microcosm, you get just the opposite. Because quantum physics says, no, it's not predictable. As a matter of fact, it's quite chaotic. You cannot, you cannot explain the movements Uh, of the smallest particle of the universe. You look at that and they look totally um, um, disturbed and chaotic. It It is totally unpredictable. And here is what McKay said. McKay said, you know what? When we look at our lives, they look like nobody's in control. When we get stuck on the smallest problems of life, it looks like everything's coming apart. And you'll never get it together. But when you look at the big picture, all of that chaos fits into an order. All of that quantum physics fits into the theory of relativity somehow so that there is order even in the chaos. That's revelation. For us to know that we will always have surprises in our lives. We will always be questioning about things. We will never understand some things that happen, both in our lives and in the world. But for us to know that God has an order that He's working out, that is important. It's important for us to know that the dots, whereas they don't always come together and make sense, they are connected in God's realm. It's important for us to know that God is active way beyond where we understand. Not only with the Christian community, but out in the secular world too. And for us to look for Him out there. So that every place we look, we're looking for God and we're saying, God, teach me what you're doing out there. Teach me what you have to, to accomplish out there so that I can cooperate with it. That is so important. You know what? The job of this church is to change our minds. You, you know what, you know what the, the, uh, um, the Greek word for repent is? First word Jesus ever said as recorded in the Gospel of Mark. First, first command. He said, the kingdom of God is here. The time is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. You know what repent means? The Greek word is metanoia. Meta meaning after. Or or change. And noia comes from 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 the word for mind. Nuance. Change your mind. That's what repent means. Most people think that repent means behavior modification. It's not a behavior modification. It is a whole new perception of how the world operates. And who's operating it. When Jesus said repent and believe. He was saying look at God. Look for God. And live your life accordingly. Live in the security, eventually he would say, live in the security of what God will reveal to you about what he's doing. Not in the security of your own knowledge or your own understanding. As a matter of fact, the Bible said had said for years, lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So therefore, revelation is not about learning more. It's about allowing God to fit together the pieces. And not to rush to organize the world, but to be loose enough about it that he can fit the pieces as you're going along. That's what takes faith. That's what takes faith. Because the easiest thing to do when we get uncomfortable is to rush and organize the world for God. Is to jump to conclusions and say, I'm going to solve this. God's taking too long. Well, God isn't taking too long. And before, we can't move before the pillar moves. You know, we are not to go before he goes. Um, uh, 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 Let me me say one more thing. Yesterday, I, I, I realize this is all theory, but this is going to make sense to you later. When you get out there and you say, I don't understand this, remember this. You don't need to understand it. Just look for how God is working, and if you can't see how he's working yet, you will. God will give you wisdom. God will give you wisdom. It will eventually make sense to you. One of the things that, that happened yesterday here was one of the it's one of the neatest meetings I 've ever been to at Northland. I mean, I love this. There's about 15 of the leadership that came together. We started talking about the future of Northland, and of course, we started out very organized fashion. you know what's the vision god 's given Northland? what 's our niche? What are the ministries that we need to accomplish that vision, and what are the facilities that we need to accomplish that vision, or those ministries, and so on and so forth? Very organized, very rational, you know. Then we got onto this conversation about this land next door here that I got, you know, frustrated about last week, you know, because God just plunks this thing down. We've got, we're all ready to go on our plans, you know, and, you know, by management, by objective, we should have gotten this thing started a long time ago, you know, we just should have, you know. But we didn't, you know, because there wasn't a sense, you know, of God bringing everything together yet. So we just kind of waited, and people were getting impatient. And how long is this picture going to be on the wall out there before we lay a brick? And you know how, you know how we are, you know, come on, let's do something. Did God say do something or didn't he? Well, yeah, he did. We just don't, we don't have a sense yet. It was such a neat, there was like a revival that happened in this meeting yesterday. Because we we started talking about this acreage over here. And God has given several of us a distinct vision for the people that God wants to include in the ministry of this church. And they're not the people that are, just the people that are already here. We've talked about the kids and and so on and so forth. Well, we, we connect that. I mean, there's something in us that connects that with a community center that would, that, where people could just come out and hang out with Christians. Not, not. Uh, 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 it certainly would be an evangelistic effort, because another thing God has done recently is just lit our fires, for 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 getting people whose lives are falling apart and telling them there's an answer here. You don't have to live like that. So anyhow, we we just got on this thing and and we began to talk about the people who need us. And need us to pour our lives out for them. The people who need the Lord and the price that we were willing to pay for those people. And all of a sudden we weren't talking buildings anymore. We were talking people. And and there was such a sense of, of I'm willing to give up anything I have or anything I am to pour my life out for those people. And it was just such a great, a great. There was a guy who came up to me afterward who was in a who was in a prayer church ministry, it was a campus crusade ministry, and he's in the prayer ministry. He came up to me afterwards. He said, "I've never been to a meeting like that in a church in my life because you weren't talking about organization. You were talking about people. You were talking about what God wanted instead of what you wanted." It was absolutely incredible. Now, here's what I want to tell you. That's the character of revelation. The character of revelation is not to build up your knowledge. The character of revelation is to pour out your life. The character of revelation is not so that you can get your skit together. The character of revelation is for you to understand that God is developing this world in such a way that he needs you and he has a plan for you. And as things come, in his timing, in his way, he wants you to be able to say, God, whatever it takes, I'm going to follow you because I care about them more than I care about me. That's the character of relation. It's not an increase in wisdom. It's an increase in love. Pray with me. God, there are a lot of us who would would just love to be smart. (laughs) And so we spend all of our time saying, God, help me understand. Help me understand. And then when you don't help us, we take things into our own hands and we go to that tree of knowledge because the fruit is desirable to make us wise. Lord, let us wait on you so that we can have a fullness of the picture you have of this world. Help us, Lord God, to desire you in our lives more than we desire an increase in our minds. And please, as we can obey, as we can be in your will, as we can follow you, reveal to us that which you would have us be and do so that we can increase your glory, so that your name would be lifted up above all names in this earth, and so that we can say with confidence, this world operates way beyond my understanding, but it operates not a bit beyond my Father's control. We love you. Help us to trust in you. If there's anybody here this morning, God, that it does not trust in you personally, that has just believed in you intellectually but has never put their lives into your hands, has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they want to, let them open their heart right now and say, God, I've lived separately from you. I've believed in you, but I've lived separately. And I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be a part of what you're doing centrally in the world. And I want to be a part of your family so that I can understand and cooperate with the plans you have for this whole world. And for the rest of us, Lord, who have said that prayer, continue, continue to help us lift you up. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand for benediction. Go from here seeking the mind of Christ which is resident in the heart of Christ and which results in the behavior of Christ. It's in His name we pray. Amen.